less breadboard projects and make them solder full. 149 or more, we're still giving away the PCB pink circuit board KB2040 featuring the RP2040 with eight megabytes of flash, Stemic UT connector, USB-C, castellated pads. Works great for keyboard projects or anything where a Pro Mini shaped board would fit. Uh, it's also just a great microcontroller to get started with. 199 or more, you get free UPS ground shipping in the continental United States. And we're back with <clears throat> 299 or more, you get a free circuit playground blue fruit or all-in-one Bluetooth low energy capable microcontroller board. It runs Arduino and CircuitPython. It's got sensors and buttons and buzzers and LEDs and more. Uh, it's great for getting started with microcontrollers and electronics. Uh, and you don't have to do any soldering because everything's built in. And if you're looking for things <clears throat> that are kind of hard to find, um, like Raspberry Pis, usually on TNC Wednesdays. TNC4s. TNC4s, usually on Wednesdays, um, we put some in stock. And uh, there's a couple different services online. One's uh, on Twitter, RPAI Locator and you can purchase them they'll let you know when exactly it goes in stock usually it's around 11:30 eastern time on wednesdays but just make sure you have a verified adafruit account and two-factor authentication that's been managing to keep the folks away who <clears throat> are trying to buy multiple versions multiple yes. products and put them on ebay yes don't do that for lots of money okay got some live shows that uh we like to do including this one Ask an engineer. So uh, we just finished up show and tell. Good show this week. Uh, Jepler <coughs> came by and showed a really neat Tandy yes, keyboard. And cool. uh, we also talked about if you want to try Wi-Fi on the Raspberry Pi Pico W, um, that'll okay. be in the beta of the latest Circuit Python. It's merged. 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 So that's there. And then JP <coughs> came by with Darth Fader. Uh, Motorized Fader project. Yeah, Liz came by with a very nice trombone project mm -hmm. for the. Uh, I guess it's called Tr Trombone Hero? Trombone Champ. Trombone Champ. Yeah, I guess there's probably some type of trademark you thing. You can't call it that. Hero. Yeah. Um, and then uh, Phil B came by, showed this really neat um, repair that he made with the, this like mini disc looking thing. So it's a <laughs> recorder now. It's, it um, is mini disc, but it's record. I didn't know you were, mini discs were recordable. Yeah. And then uh, Tavis came by, showed this very interesting. Um, I, I It's a CRT inside of a, a Sony hand can. Like, yeah. You know, like, Camcorder, the old style, um, pre, like a CRT, pre a little eyeball on it. And then uh, Paul came by and talked about the new podcast that Paul's working on, which is Bootloader. And also, of course, y'all are super fans and listen and watch to the Circuit Python show. So coming up, I think, is Toddbot on Bootloader. And um, we were talking about this. There isn't a lot of long-form maker stories shows out there. Um, you know, we have to do an electronics company yeah. we have show and tell we have ask an engineer the show. jp show when it's you know we're definitely project based and we're going to stick to that but one of the things you know if we had unlimited time would be interviewing makers more maker stories more people that are doing electronics and uh thankfully paul's doing that so uh tune in you can use your favorite pod catcher whatever they call them these days mm -hmm. it's and, called bootloader. Um, and it's called bootloader and the other one is circuit python show and there's you know some overlap with some of them a lot of people use python on microcontrollers and there'll probably be a little bit of everything yeah on Sunday, we do Desk of Lady Ada, and it's usually in two parts. The first part is Lady Ada showing what she's up to. What were you up to this week? Okay, this week I was showing off um, two, three boards that I designed. <clears throat> it's in prototypes put together. So the first up is the Micro LiPo. It's a little battery charger that plugs into a USB port, and you plug in uh, one of our LiPo uh, batteries to charge it. And um, 
I'm going to, I was kind of doing a bunch of revisions and I really wanted to revise this board because I had to order more PCBs. Uh, and so I revised it to add a switch and I just showed uh, testing it out. I also showed, um, let's see, after that I had uh, the two, I showed off two breakouts for the little PB86, the like TR808 style step switches. And then the eight STEM IQT output uh, multiplexer board with the PCA 9584 or 48. I can't remember which one. Uh, and I showed that. And also I was using uh, Penguin and I showed off some uh, Penguin silk screens. Then we do, where in the world is that part I need? It's called the Great Search. Do that with DigiKey. And every week, Lady Eddie's are powers of engineering to find <clears> what you're <throat> looking for. What did you help folks find this week on the Great Search? Okay, so this week's Great Search was about how to find, so you know, parts that look the same do not necessarily have the same specifications. So this week's great search was finding a slide switch that could carry uh, up to five volts and ideally up to you know half an amp total through the switch, especially when doubled up. This is a DPDT switch. And I have like a footprint that I use, but um, usually the switch doesn't carry power. It's a signal switch, not a power switch. Um, and it's not that common to find SMT power switches. Honestly, usually they're through hole. Uh, so I showed how to find um, some good spec parts and we did find one in the end. Okay, and uh, we'll be doing the show again this Sunday, but a little uh, programming note tonight. Um, we're going to do Ion MPI this Sunday. Um, it's a bigger one, so we wanted to make sure we uh, put in all the time needed to show a very cool, new, exciting new product, new product introduction, and we'll be showing that on Sunday. Uh, every Tuesday, we have JP's workshop, and uh, we have a highlight. Here it is from this week. It is the NeoPixel goggles kit, these Lars. So there you can see we have the goggles. I put a little diffusion uh, material and then we have the two NeoPixel rings that are spinning there doing some cool patterns and picking different colors. And embedded right inside, thanks Lars, uh, right inside of there, you can see we have all of the parts and goodies. The costume goggles and tinted lenses. These are RGB NeoPixel rings. Ribbon cable so that you can connect all of the uh, connections you need. A LiPo battery that you'll use to power it. A little JST battery connector that you'll connect to the underside of the Trinket M0 and you can use Arduino or CircuitPython. We also give you a LiPo charger that you can just plug into a USB port. Plug your battery in there and you can charge it in any port uh, that you have. So my product pick of the week this week is the NeoPixel Trinket M0 LED Goggles Kit. Okay, and then uh, tomorrow, weather permitting in California, who knows what's gonna happen there. Um, JB's workshop, and then Friday, deep dive with Tim. Time travel, uh, got a few things going on. We're still trying to figure out will we be able to do a Ada box for the holiday season? It all depends on if we can get, you know, between 5,000 and 10,000 parts that have been chronically out of stock. So we'll let you know. If uh, we can't, don't worry. I'm not charging credit cards at all until we ship. Maybe we'll just line up 2023. I think we can get everything by then. Things are looking better, but it is a bit of a slog. Anyone who does anything in the world right now with electronics or really any physical <coughs> goods on planet Earth, you don't really get what you uh, want right away and you don't get exactly the thing that you may have purchased and there's just been a lot of um, a lot of uh, lies and yes. rug, rug pulling as yes. they say where you think you're getting something that you ordered from a couple of years ago and it's still taking a while so let's uh, go uh, but 
But we did get some things. We did get some things. So um, I am going to kick off our segment that we've started. It's called The Real World. And let's see what we got. This is the true story of nine strangers picking place to live in a factory to manufacture together and have their lives taped. To find out what happens when people stop being polite and start getting real. Adafruit, the real world. Okay. So we have some stuff. It came in. Yeah. What is it this week? All right, this week we've got the Max 31865, which uh, people might find familiar if you like to connect to RTD uh, temperature sensors. Uh, we use them in our PT100 and PT1000, our platinum RTD converters. Um, very popular. People really like these. They're very high quality uh, temperature converters. They're um, not as high range as a K-type thermocouple, but they are a lot more precise uh, and <clears throat> because they use a little piece of platinum that the resistance changes. Uh, but you do need to have a really good analog front end to handle them. Um, so we had this breakout. It's been out of stock for like almost a year, uh, but we got a reel of these chips in this week. And yeah. so if you are looking for a PT100 or PT1000 amplifier, um, if they're not in stock already, which I think we put in some in stock, but if they're not, sign up because we're putting in we made like a thousand boards and we're putting in chunks of them at a time. And, uh, you know, we wanted to tell the other side of this story, which is we've been doing chip shortage and letting our customers know things that we're out of stock, things that we're having a hard time with. And we communicated with some of the companies that could do different allocations. Some of it worked out. Some of it we're still waiting. Some of it will eventually work out. But now we have um, our, you know, kind of weekly, like, okay, we, we think we are going to get these in. Let's uh, celebrate that. And yes. That's why we do. I don't want to just complain. World. I want to be like, yeah. look, <laughs> you guys did get me the part. Thank you. I think it's one we even did a, a chip shortage on, uh, and it did, did come in. We did. So, so that's the other side of the story. <clears throat> yes. So now we have them in stock. Yeah. All right. Mailbag. Okay, this week this letter came in from Nathan. Adafruit's customer support in the forums and via email has been speedy, phenomenal, anything a customer could ask outside a working product. <laughs> this is my first order and certainly won't be the last. You've won a long-term customer who will suggest you to others going forward. Thanks, Nathan. Nathan. All right, help wanted. Jobs.adafruit.com is where you can post your skills or you can post up the job or the thing that you're looking for people to do and we have a pretty good success rate and we also monitor these <clears throat> and we look at each one before we approve them um, just so y'all know because you're probably getting lots of these emails and I got one from like <clears throat> one of the banks that we use um, and this one I think MIT Press did a tweet today this happened to them so someone yeah. was pretending to be MIT Press on freelancer.com and they yeah. have people apply for jobs hand over bank accounts and then say oh you know you have to do this like thing or whatever and then not only was it identity theft but it was also um, they were out of money um, because they have all sorts of tricks that they do now so we really like to make sure that these are legit things they're, they're actual companies that are um, looking to hire makers some of our freelance opportunities. Mm -hmm. So check out this one. This is a wearable medical device uh, opportunity. This is out of Dublin, Ireland. Check it out. It's a contract 
um, job. And uh, if you're interested in building new things or have building things, check out jobs.adafruit.com. Python on hardware. Okay, <laughs> this week in the Adafruit newsletter from adafruitdaily.com. This is a good newsletter. I went out, like this went one. Out one day later because we had a uh, issue with uh, sending stuff out, but it out. It yeah. came out. Um, I'll get to the, the story <laughs> I was going to ask you about, but we went over, if you haven't seen our shows last week or um, some of the things that we've been writing about, Adafruit Penguin, um, you can use any font in EagleCAD. That's Yay. exciting, and we uh, definitely um, abused uh, Papyrus quite a bit. Uh, and people see, as, as <laughs> I'm doing a lot of board reorders right now, as new boards come in, you're going to see some of the nice silk screens filter in. Um, yeah. You know, you, you might get ones with the older versus newer silk screen as I, as I make them all pretty using uh, Penguin. Yeah. It's made it so fast, I do it instantly and then order the boards. Great. And then uh, this is interesting because we just had our show and tell not too long ago. Um, tandy, know. tandy. And a lot of folks are taking some of the, the retro hardware, but now they're updating it with new things. So this is a Tandy TRS 80 model. We have one, uh, model 100. This is a retrofit. <clears throat> So it uses Raspberry Pi hardware, uses uh, Pico running CircuitPython, and while the machine itself is faster, um, they kept the same display too. So this is very yeah. neat. Um, Look, at the first part was the keyboard, and then yeah. the next thing they're gonna do is maybe put in like a Raspberry Pi with like a bar display. Yeah, maybe a color display. Um, Couple interesting things: program environment for mm. MicroPython called Guana. You can check that out. Um, Badger, if you want to hack your ID badges, to play games. This is a cool um, badge from the folks at Pi Maroney. Um, you can use MicroPython with that. And then um, the CircuitPython IDE. I don't know if you all have seen this, um, but there's an online IDE for it. A couple new features: um, <clears throat> file modification indicator. And the other is a serial mode, mode indicator. So you could check that out. Um, yes, and this is uh, River Wangs, and we also yeah. have our own as well. So, so there's, this is cool. So here it is. And yeah, this is like real and live, and like, you know, you can connect your board. Yeah. Um, and I just went, you know, straight here from the newsletter. What a wonderful time to be well, doing Chrome electronics. Is amazing. All right. Um, you can check out some of the shows that we have. We just talked about uh, Paul, uh, who is on the show and tell, <laughs> who has yeah. Bootloader. In addition to other shows, I think this week is um, Brayden. Brayden and Brayden showed some projects last week on the show and tell. Yeah. Uh, and then don't forget September 29th, which is coming up tomorrow, the CircuitPython Community Help Desk. Oh, here's a bootloader project. Oh, oh yeah, is that's it cool. in there? Oh, that's a nice logo. Okay, Todd and Paul. Yeah, and this was one of random projects here. So uh, the thing I wanted to give you a couple of minutes of airtime, Lady Ada, is I saw this running around and everyone's like, you know, nothing. Well, this is a, a nothing. A, nothing. A joke. Yeah, nothing yeah. divides people up like programming languages or bring people together. So um, mainline Python 3.14 predicted to be faster than C++. Really? Okay. What's this all about? It's a, a little bit of a joke. So basically, you know, as of Python, the, the biggest deal with Python was just trying to get everyone onto three. Um, which took a while, and I think you know what you can see is by the time we got to like three six three seven, um, you know a lot of people moved over to three, and so you know, one of the things that seems like the the Python Foundation wanted to focus their time on because there's so much stuff built in, and like there were a couple additional like the Walrus operators, and and um, you know I think async also got a little bit more support um, in recent versions, but it looks like what they've really been working on um, for the last couple of versions, starting with 
311 is um, in, in improving by decreasing the amount of time it takes to execute Python scripts. So interpreted languages are great because um, they have memory management and garbage collection and um, you know they're often dynamically typed and I, I just love interpreted you don't have to languages. Compile them and you don't have to compile stuff. Trade-off is of course uh, you know things can fail halfway through the program because they were they're not all it's not all compiled at once. Um, but second thing is usually they're a lot slower because they're run through a virtual machine. But it looks like one of the things they've really been working on is uh, really in improving the the quality the quality the speed of the Python runtime. Um, looks like you know there's a, a example loop that they use and the loop time is usually 10 milliseconds or 10 seconds for this example loop and they got it down to uh, sorry 11 seconds and it got down to like about six. So it's about a, you know two times increase in speed, which is which is great because. Um, if the only trade-off between interpreted languages and compiled languages is the running time, then you know, if you can just increase, the, improve the running time, then maybe more people will use Python for um, live applications, not just for speed of programming, but also speed of of running. And so there's this joke of like it's, it uses like the XKCD graph generator, where it's like if you extrapolate. You know, like yesterday you weren't married, today you are married, which means in three days you will have like you know seven husbands. Um, if the loop time has has gone down this much so far, you know, basically within a year we will have negative loop time. Yeah, not really, but it'll get closer. I mean, like I I think they could probably squeeze another uh, two times um, speed improvement. Yeah, now, and, now that they're looking at it. And you know, one of the great things now is everyone can try something out for free essentially like there's some way to try something out for free so my suggestion is um, you know stay away from the arguments online like eh, make sure you cut your teeth and you should write things in assembly don't listen to any of those folks in fact run away from them um, try something out and one of the things that's kind of nice now is uh, with microcontrollers and being able to do Python with microcontrollers you can learn a skill that can work on desktop you know, data sciences, you can, any of the machine learning stuff, any of the AI stuff, like uh, there, there's tons of things. <laughs> and then the Raspberry Pi with Blinka, like one learning, learning a programming language to start and then being able to do a lot of stuff with it and then figuring out where you want to do like, you know, literally deep dives, you have a show, deep dive, yeah. um, is, is really powerful. And the microcontrollers are fast enough now where there really isn't like, like what are you doing with these things where, a, you know, a millisecond's going to matter. For, for a lot of these Yeah, programs. and one of the things that we've always prioritized in CircuitPython, I mean, this is Python, which is, of course, a different core than uh, CircuitPython, but one of the things that, you know, we've always prioritized is ease of use over runtime speed, because you can always improve the runtime speed fat, you know, later, but getting the usability is important to get done first, because it's one of those things that if you don't bake in the usability and the ease of use to start, it's really hard to add that later. I found that things don't get easier to use with time. They'll get faster, Yeah. but usually it's like whatever system you have set up to program the boards in, that's why like using mass storage was really important to us, using Wi-Fi workflow. Yeah, I feel like the biggest barrier right now is just getting people started and having some success with what they're trying to do. Yeah. That seems to be the thing that's mm. taking the longest is like a total abandonment and not wanting to do it. And then like, hey, no, really, there's other ways to do things. So anyways. Yeah, it's cool stuff. Yeah. So the, the graph is a joke, but the performance improvement is real. Yeah. And that's Python on Horror. Thank you, Blinka.
And we deliver this every single week to your inbox. Usually Tuesdays, sometimes Wednesdays. And um, speaking of Adafruit Daily, so uh, the Adafruit IoT newsletter monthly is coming out. You can go to adafruitdaily.com and sign up for that. And then we also have our new product newsletter. That That's the only one you can get through our website if you want to. You can go to adafruit.com slash newsletter. But we also do it as a standalone newsletter on Adafruit Daily too, so you don't even need to use our store site. So do check those out. I strongly recommend the IoT newsletter. So she's in so much stuff is happening with There's the lot. Snapper. It's like non, it's nonstop. So if you're interested in the rapid development that's occurring on Whippersnapper and Adafruit IO, and of course, you know, general IoT news yeah. around the industry, um, do subscribe. Yeah, and uh, you know, just because you all know us. So even though it's our newsletter, we put everything in there. It doesn't matter which company is making an IoT thing. We're just picking the best stuff. Oh, yeah. Um, you, people can send no in stuff, There's no affiliate links. There's no ads. Um, there's no uh, Amazon affiliate links. There's nothing like that. We just cover the stuff that, that we like and uh, we want to show and share. And I think that's why people like these newsletters, because they never feel like they're getting tricked or they're getting sold something. It is really like, here's cool stuff that uh, we like and we're up to and things that other people make. Um, I kind of wish more newsletters were like this. Okay. Open source hardware time. Um, We have 2,737 guides, Lady Ada. We've got a bunch, so let's start with the first one. Okay, first up, um, we have updated some guides. This is an updated guide. Oh, sorry, this guide, I actually remember what this guide was. Eva has been going through um, many of our sensor guides and adding Whippersnapper getting started pages. So the LC709 is one that Whippersnapper, our no-code IoT system, recently added support for. Um, And Eva has added a page on how to do that. So especially people who have projects with a built-in battery charger, they're using a battery monitor or using an external battery monitor, um, you can now track that on Whippersnapper. Okay, next up. Okay, um, a bunch of new guides and updated guides. Um, on the right, uh, a new guide from uh, Jepler on the Tandy 1000 keyboard. Uh, Jepler uh, inherited a stash of old keyboards and decided to uh, circuit Pythonify them. They're all different, like these are pre-USB, pre-PS2. Uh, so each one of them has their own like funky, unique, weirdo protocol. Um, so in this case, it was um, like a clock serial interface that Jeff found some documentation for, and then uh, showed how you can use CircuitPython with PIO, which is the really cool RP2040 built-in state machine system, to program in the bit banging required to do this like weird serial protocol for the Tandy 1000 keyboard. Uh, and then he 3D printed a little jack to add it all. So I thought this was kind of neat because on one hand, it's a keyboard. On the other hand, it's a great PIO tutorial as well. Yeah. Um, Liz is going to be pi-leapifying um, a couple clue sensor projects for a uh, Yeah, a we have a video pack. for this we, one we too. We have a we'll pack, show. but basically she's, pi-leap is our way of, you can use a phone to upload code to uh, Bluetooth and in the future Wi-Fi circuit Python boards without having to write any code at all, without needing access to a computer. So it's really handy for people who, you know, only have a phone. You want to run some of our demos. Uh, you don't want to set up, a, you know, even the most minimal Moo install or whatever. Um, you can use a phone to do it. So we wanted to have a little guide that goes with the um, PyLeap installation. If you haven't tried out PyLeap right now, it's available for iOS. We're working on the Android version 
and we'll show the video later. And then um, Brent's been working on updating the whippersnapper guides. We took some more screenshots because we've updated uh, the look and feel. And then um, Anne has also, by the way, if people who want to, um, if, if you see example code that we have and you want to improve it or you want to add your own example code, uh, all of our example code for all of our projects is on the learning system. So we've unified it. So like every guide, all like 2000 guides, the code is in GitHub and you can see the original code. And if you see typos and stuff, uh, please submit pull requests because we will take them. Yeah. And then uh, we'll play the video uh, for the um, PyLeap yes. uh, project, but then we have another set of guides and then we're gonna play one of I these videos I don't know too. what happened with Make It Pulse. Probably just uh, we, we updated the guide. Yeah. Uh, we do have a guide now for the ENS160 MOX gas sensor. That's last week's new product. Um, it's a handy four channel MOX gas sensor. It's the upgrade to the CCS811 from Sciosense. Uh, it's a it's a lovely sensor, um, especially since the CCS 811 was one of the original uh, I squared C gas sensors. This one works quite well as well. Uh, gives you uh, TVOC total volca volcanic. I always say volcanic, total volatile organic compounds. Yeah. Volatile organic, not volcanic. Effective CO2 and uh, air quality uh, air quality index. Um, as well as the resistances. Uh, so that's available in CircuitPython, Python, and Arduino. So check out that guide for how to use it. Erin is back. I don't know if people remember Erin, uh, our in-house mermaid. Um, she, she traveled the world. She swam the world <laughs> for the last year or so, uh, taking a little bit of a break, but then uh, has come back and is rocking it with uh, guides and projects. This one shows how to install WLED, which is a cool wireless LED library, and you can run it on our ESP32 boards. So she shows how to do that for the Feather and uh, Feather ESP32 and the Cutie Pie ESP32 um, to make these awesome Wi-Fi jellyfish. And we'll, I think we'll have a video as yeah, well. Yeah, we're going to show two videos from the Learn system. And then uh, finally, the LED backpacks uh, hex segment page completely got redone by Katni uh, to modernize it and add CircuitPython example code. So we're going to show the uh, jellyfish video and jellyfish. then the pilot video. Okay on the other side. Our oceans are full of life, and few species are more fascinating than the jellyfish. Jellyfish are more than 600 million years old, having survived all five mass extinction events. Some are deadly, some have bioluminescence, and one species may be immortal. This tutorial will show you how to create your own luminescent jellyfish out of iridescent vinyl and neopixel LEDs. Easily add endless light patterns with WLED software with no coding required. You can even make multiple jellyfish and sync them up over your Wi-Fi network. This is a fairly easy project with no coding and just a little soldering. The end result is out of this world. See the full build tutorial at learn.adafruit.com. Leap into plotting sensor data with an Adafruit Clue and PyLeap. The Clue has tons of onboard sensors that can measure movement, light, sound, and environmental factors like temperature and humidity. This project uses the Clue's display to plot all of the sensor's data. After pairing your Clue to the PyLeap app, scroll to the Clue Sensor Plotter project. Open it and press Run It to transfer the project files to your Clue over Bluetooth. Then your Clue will start running the project code. You can use the Clue's buttons to control the project. 
the B button changes the style of the plot. You can choose between plotting with a line or dots and having the plotter scroll or wrap around the display. The A button changes the sensor that is plotting on the screen. As the sensor's values change, you'll see the on-screen plot change as well. This project is a great introduction to the clue and its many features. If you're curious about what makes the code tick or plot, you can check out the original learn guide that goes into depth on how everything is working. Happy plotting! And it's time for some factory footage made right here in New York City. Okay, 3D printing time, and uh, like we said, the 3D printing shows and more will work on a little bit of a break today because of weather. Uh, Hurricane Ian is heading right towards Don Pedro. They're okay. We were talking with them over email. Everything's fine right now, but uh, they took the day off to uh, put all the things that could fly away uh, inside. So Maybe 3D um, print some yeah. tarps or so something. So they were able to um, get a couple videos out, and we're going to play this. You can build an MP3 audio player with CircuitPython and parts from Adafruit. This personal music player features a TFT display and mechanical key switches. With this DIY project, you can relive the years when physical media was hot and chunky gadgets were the norm. Powered by the Adafruit Feather RP2040, this dev board is packed with tons of great features. It's got plenty of GPIO and flash memory that can be used in either CircuitPython or Arduino. Four key switches are used as button controls and feature NeoPixel LEDs. Use the rotary encoder to adjust the volume with a graphical progress bar on the display. An audio jack lets you plug in your favorite pair of headphones like these old school wireframes. Store your favorite tracks on a micro SD card to make your own mixtape that you can easily swap out. 
The 3D printed case is inspired by the Sony Walkman and features parts that snap fit together. A slide switch on the side of the case lets you easily turn the device on and off. There's also a built-in button for hitting the onboard reset switch, which comes in handy. The code was written in CircuitPython by Todd Kurt and John Park. It uses the MP3 library to decode and playback audio using an I2S Class D amplifier. It's all open source and available to download on the Adafruit GitHub repo. You can customize the features or write your own by heading over to the Learn Guide for a full step-by-step -step tutorial. Our enclosure design features 3D models of Adafruit parts that are free to use in your projects. Be sure to check out the CAD parts repo on GitHub. We hope this inspires you to check out Adafruit's CircuitPython for your next audio project. Okie dokie, and uh, we'll Sorry. start new products in a couple minutes here. Hi. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, we're good. Some, so. All right. Uh, before you do that code segment, 10% off the native free store all the way up to 11.59 p.m. tonight. Lady Ada, are you ready to kick it? Yeah. Yep. So many cables. Can you, um, you want me to find you one? I have one on my desk. Okay. So here I am. I'm just going to hang out for a bit. You know what I'll do? I'll show the code. Okay. Listen, <laughs> sorry. I, I, I'll use my please stand by card. You know what? I'm going to keep my product night purple woven cable because that we all always send it. Okay. Yeah. Well, I'm ready to new. Okay, we're going to start over. Sing it. New, 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 new. Where's my cable? New, new, new. We'll uh, we'll edit this in post. All right. Okay. First up. Okay, so we have a revision, but it's a revision that I want to talk about because it's a big deal revision. So the INA219, uh, which we revised to add STEMIQT connectors, people love this. It's a high or low side uh, current sensor. Uh, it goes over I squared C, which is one of our oldest products. I think it's like product number seven, uh, 904, so it's quite old. 
Um, but here's the thing. So, uh, yeah, sorry. Uh, yeah, click here. So, yeah, so we revised it, and it looks a little different, and I want to explain what changed. So we could not get the INA219B, which is the version of the SOT23 chip that we've been using for a really long time. So instead, what we did is we revised the board to use an SOIC-sized uh, chip. So the chip is bigger, and it's the INA219A, not the 21. It may be the 219A, not just the 219B. The difference is the 219B, I think, is 0.5% precision, and the 219A is 1% precision. Thing is, is that resistor is only like 1% precise anyways, so it's not like it's gonna make a huge difference, but I do wanna mention that the precision has changed slightly. Um, we never promised that we'd have the 219B, we kinda just said it was the 219. Um, we just couldn't get the 219B chips anymore, it was just very difficult. We wanted to keep these in stock, and I think for most people's usage, uh, the 219A is just fine. Um, if this is absolutely killing you and you absolutely need the 219B, I think in the next few months, we might be able to revert back to using specifically uh, the B subtype. Um, but the next few months, basically, we could only get the A type. And I thought it'd be better to have it in stock, even if it's 0.2% less precise. Okay, next up. Okay, next up, uh, we have, you know, this is actually something um, handy for people who have a micro bit or you have... Uh, Circuit Playground Express or Circuit Playground or any other, um, you know, project where it has like alligator clippy pads. So we had Tower Pro, which makes the servos that we really like, uh, create a version of their micro servo, but this time it has alligator clips on it, yeah. which makes it really easy. Good for workshops. It's great for basically. Yeah, for this workshops. is gonna if you've ever had to do any like step by step instructional learning, especially with youngins. You will appreciate this because you can get right to controlling a servo and not um, trying to figure out which way to plug it in. Yeah. Wrong stuff, wrong wires, wrong this. Okay, so let's go to the overhead and I'll show off this demo. Okay, so basically, this is just a demo of moving back and forth. Um, but it's the same micro servo, geared plastic servo that you're used to. Uh, send it one to two millisecond pulses um, and you can power it from. Uh, ground and signal, and in this case, I'm powering it from V out, which happens to three B five volts. But you can also power it from uh, 3.3 volts. It won't move as fast or as strong, but I know the micro bit only has three volts available. Um, but basically, we have a servo to alligator clip adapter cable, which you can use with any servo. But if you just want to get started quickly with the micro servo, this is you know, very compact and easy to use, and the wires are color coded which took red. us quite a few tries to get the right color coding, but power is red, uh, signal is white, and ground is black. Yeah, this is gonna save a lot of people a lot of time. Okay. It's funny, I had the USB-C cable right here, it was plugged into one of my Yeah, so it always is. I what know. And also it takes like three times to plug in the cable too. So. Yeah, I got it all. Okay, uh, so we're uh, continuing on our path to have our um, seven segment backpacks all come pre-assembled. So people don't even have to solder in the um, LED segment displays. So these are STEMI QT capable seven segment backpacks. So they're plug and play and you don't even have to solder in uh, the LED segments. So let's go to the overhead because I'll show these off. Yeah. Do you um, want me to show both of them before we go to the overhead? Because we have. Sure. They're, yeah. There's blue and white. We also already put in red yeah. and green. I think that was the last few weeks. Yeah. We had a bunch in. 
So yeah, you go to the page so you can get, select and get all the different colors. Correct. But here, here's the. Uh, also, one of our first you know products was yeah. the seven segment backpack. So it's great to be updating it. Okay, so uh, beef one two three four. So, so this is the two uh, blue and white. They're incredibly bright. Um, matrix drivers and what's nice is of course you know now you don't have to solder anything at all you can just plug and play over I squared C you can have up to eight of them if you solder close these uh, jumpers over here um, but otherwise they're just uh, stackable you can put them next to each other they stack up side by side so you can have very long digits if you so wish um, and always stem QT so we're trying to get everything to as little soldering as possible required to get started okay Next up. Okay, another update. So the, oh, this is, there's many updates because of this chip shortage, which, are, which is causing a little bit of a back and forthness in the market. So oh, I was on this email thread. Oh yeah, these came in, cool. These came in. <laughs> it, is, okay. it is like that. It's like, oh, these are finally, I can get these to you, great. Okay, so this is the OpenMV M7. This is like a, you know, a smart machine learning camera that you can program with MicroPython. It's very powerful. It uses the STM32H743, which if anybody knows is basically like total unobtainium. But they were able to get some stock to, to fabricate some. The only deal is they couldn't fabricate the version two with the, I think it's the MT9411 camera. So this has, I think the um, OV56 something something camera. It's, it's basically version one for a while we were selling version two, but then chip shortage hit. Uh, crushed all hopes and dreams of getting STM32 H7. So, you know, the one thing we were able to get is to go back to V1. If you absolutely need V2, you really want that, you know, that new MT9411 or whatever part number camera, uh, please wait, you know, maybe in six months, we'll have some of the V2s. But for most people's uses, it doesn't really matter. The camera quality is almost identical. The chip is the same. Um, the software functionality is the same. So, uh, we have a couple hundred of these in stock. Honestly, I don't know when, and neither does OpenMV know when they're going to be able to make more of these. Um, yeah, if you're going to get one, you get one. So if you want one, Maybe a little bit. you may not want to wait out until yeah. the V2 is available. You might want to get the V1, and and it's basically the same. Anyone who's been um, waiting on SD chips is living yeah. in the world of hurt. If you're in an STM32 F7 or H7 world, you're, yeah, you're in a yeah. world of pain. Okay. And, yeah. and no parts. Next up. And look at here's another STM based board. <laughs> what a coincidence! Uh, so actually, this is funny. This one they went to the GD32 F105, which is a Giga Device um, ST compatible chip. So this is the Black Magic Probe. This is a really cool all-in-one uh, debugger that has built-in debugging capabilities for um, a variety of chips, ARM core chips. It's SWD programming. Um, but what's really neat is it like it's kind of like built into the chip itself, so you don't necessarily need to install Open OCD. Uh, it's very popular, and uh, we were out of stock for a very long time. They had to do a bit of a redesign for chip shortage reasons, uh, but thankfully we were able to get some. They've also updated the firmware. It's now V2.3, um, so we got a bunch of these, and I think they'll be able to keep these in stock. Uh, hopefully, Giga Device can supply them with uh, the chips. And, um, you know, basically this is kind of an advanced programming debugger for folks who are using, uh, you know, if you're using STMs or SAMDs, um, anything with a Cortex M0, M3, M4 processor, 
uh, this will do the job. Check out the open source code also on GitHub. Uh, you can see the changes and also make sure that your chip is supported. All right, next up. Okay, this is a very weird cable. So we can get a <laughs> lot of these. What is this? <laughs> okay, so this is this is extra weird because we've actually stocked the um, we've stocked USB C PD cables already. And USB-C, this, what's interesting, it looks, I thought this was like makeup on it, but it's actually a translucent cable. Yeah. Um, so these are very interesting cables in that you plug in the USB-C side into a wall adapter that can supply USB power delivery, 5, 9, 12, 15, 20 volts. There's like power supplies and they can supply different voltages based on what kind of cable device is plugged in. Yeah. So we stock the cables that when you plug it in, they will give you like a fixed nine volts out or a fixed 12 volts out. It's very handy because you no longer have to have multiple wall warts. Like, you know how we have that box of wall warts in, at home? Yes. And like, we can't get rid of it because it's always like no, you need No, there's it. always like, I need that one. There's always a thing you need. Mm -hmm. So it, the idea is to replace those instead of having different wall warts with different voltages, mm -hmm. the cable defines or the device defines the voltage. So we had the fixed cables and if you want like a fixed voltage, like I always want nine volts or always want 12 volts, get that. Now, if you're freaky like me and you want a cable that can be reprogrammed to request different voltages, this is your thing. <laughs> so this cable, and this is so dangerous. It's like, it's, yeah. like sometimes we carry stuff and I'm like, you're gonna hurt yourself. So try to like not hurt yourself. Yeah. But this cable comes with a little dongle. You see the dongle in the top right. You can program that. There's a, some Windows software that comes with it and you can reprogram the power delivery requester chip to request different voltages. So you can have it be five, seven, nine, 10, 12, 15, 18, and 20, I think. And um, you, you program it with like these little kind of like, uh, you know, they're not EDIDs, but they kind of feel like EDIDs are little, little code chunks, and then the cable turns into that cable. So one day you could have it be a five volt requester cable, the next day it's a 12 volt, the next day it's 20. You know, you can have it request the highest voltage up to or the lowest voltage, whatever. There's like different programs that you can program it with. Basically it's extremely dangerous because you don't know what you're gonna, you know, like if you thought that you programmed it for nine, but it's actually 12. This you, is a super fun cable. Yeah, you could get 12. If you're interested in experimenting with power delivery, Though I think it's, I think this, this does have some use cases, um, you know, especially if you're not sure what power delivery you want or you want to test a power supply with different voltages. So it's like kind of funky. I will say you do have to reprogram it between each settings. Like you can't, there's no button or anything to switch the setting. You have to reprogram it each time yeah. for the different settings, but it's one cable that can do them all. Um, you know, just try not to hurt yourself with this. Don't don't forget what you set it to because you think it was set for five volts. It's actually set for twenty. You plug it in and you um you blow up your electronics. Yeah. So super fun. Okay, and Star Show tonight. Besides you, Lady Ada, our team, our community, our customers, our staff, everyone who works with us, everyone who's supporting this adventure called Adafruit is the PCF eighty five seventy five. Now you might be wondering, well, why do you have a 16 IO expander? Don't you have the NCP 23017? Yeah, we do, but we're not getting chips till 2024. <laughs> so, or maybe, I mean, hopefully we'll get some Come sooner. On. But I wanted to have something out there for people who um, needed a 16-bit GPIO expander. Um, and did not want to wait for the MCP 23017 expander to come back into stock. Um, this is very inexpensive. It's very easy to use. It's a bit of a funky chip. Um, we stock the F, 
F, sorry, PF, PCF 8574, uh, which is the 8-bit version. Um, and uh, that's been in the store for a bit and people have liked that. So the thing with that is, and this, is they actually use very similar code. There's technically no direction register for the pins on this. There's only two modes for each IO. It's either a light pull-up input or a strong syncing output. Um, basically what this means is that if you want to wire up an LED, this cannot source current, it can only sync current. So you have to connect the LED from the power, one of the power rail pins to the uh, GPIO. And if you want to have a button connected, uh, you have to have the button connected to ground. So it, you know when you press the button, it shorts to ground. Um, and that will use the light pull up on the input. It's not as you know powerful and amazing as like something like the MCP twenty three zero one seven. However, it's available and it's very inexpensive. Um, and there's a lot of drivers out there. We wrote Arduino and Circuit Python slash Python code. Uh, there's three address pins, so you can have eight of these. Um, there is an interrupt output. There is an interrupt output pin. Um, all light pull-up inputs are automatically added to the IRQ. So it's a very simple chip, right? There's not a lot going on. There's like one I squared C register, but it does work quite well. Uh, so I thought I'd show this demo, which is using the USB-C cable that I finally found. Um, That's right. So I just have it, you know, one thing that I liked about this breakout is it had a little space. So I added a power rail, uh, ground and power, because again, uh, LEDs, you have to connect the anode to power and the cathode to LED. You can't do it the other, you can't connect it from the IO to ground. It will not be able to source current, it only can sync current. And here's a button connected from one of the ground pins to an IO. And then I have a little Arduino sketch running on here. Uh, it reads the button when the button switches. When I press the button, it switches which LED is lit back and forth, back and forth, all over GPIO and then this fell out. Um, second. There you go. Um, very simple demo, but it's effective. I mean, one thing that is nice about this is because the I squared C interface is so simple, it's very fast. Like you don't have to read a bunch of registers and, and do bit masks or whatever. There's literally, you, you either write the 16-bit output or you read the 16-bit input and that's it. Okay, and that is new products. Yay, new, 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 new. I found my cable, new, 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 new. All is good. New, new, new. New, new, new. All right. So uh, just a little bit of reminder, the code is segments. Uh, we have some questions that we've lined up. So okay. So I'm going to jump to this because we're going to try to get out here. Nine o'clock on the dot tonight. Okay. Ask Start away. Putting them in There's Discord. a little bit of extra few minutes for yeah, questions. Yeah. So it for slash Discord. So um, here we go. Are you ready? Mm-hmm. For one of the products you showed before, this one. Is servo, it, yeah. Yeah. Is it possible to mod it so it's continue rotation at servo? Not easily. Um, I know that standard size servos you can modify, and I, I might, you know, if this does well, if people like this, um, I will say it took like a month of back and forth to get them to understand what I wanted. Um, I'm totally willing to get other servos um, with alligator clips, but I want to make sure since I have to buy like a thousand a time, 
um, I want to make sure that this is something people want. So okay. it's not modifiable, but with luck, we'll also have a standard servo and a rotation servo eventually. Okay. Is there any way I can use the MakerPi 2040 motor output chip H-Bridge as a simple relay? You know, H-Bridges are not really relays. Um, they, they, you know, sometimes you can use a relay in exchange of an H-Bridge, but you can't really use an H-Bridge in exchange of a relay. Um, and so what I recommend is we have a, you know, simple relay breakout board um, that you can just plug in. You know, it, it comes with a, you can c connect a JSTPH cable and just plug it into um, some of the header pins that are on. I think the MakerPi has like header pins. Uh, if you don't want to do any soldering, I would recommend doing that rather than trying to rework this H-bridge. Okay. Uh, would you consider selling a breakout board for the three amp USB-C power banks? I get a lot of use out of my uh, 2000... Uh, 220,000 hour milliamp one, and it'd be great to have that option to make custom ones, replace the boards in broken ones. You know, if I could get uh, boost converters, I actually just got into a, a little bit of a email back and forth with TI. They're like, no, you, you know, like check out these cool boost converters we sell. And I'm like, they are not in stock. I cannot use them if I cannot buy them. So uh, I would love to have, uh, you know, power boost and three amp, uh, you know, power DC these converters. I just can't. I can't get chips. So um, it's one of the first things that was uh, went a wall during the chip shortage. For our real world segment, we had this is a real. How many are typically in a real like this? Oh, these I think come in real of two thousand. Okay. I think five hundred to two thousand. I mean, it depends. Actually, yeah. what's interesting is there's a lot of companies that they sell multiple real sizes. Like sometimes, like TI especially, they tend to have two fifty reels, and then I think. 2,000 reels, or maybe 1,000 or 2,000 reels. So um, I often, when I'm getting started, I get one reel of like the mini reel of 2,050, uh, 250, and then when things go well, I get the 1,000 or 2,000 piece reel. Okay. Um, next up, uh, how, this is just, uh, maybe someone could try to figure this out based on what you say. Um, how many feet miles of uh, 0 0.11 pin, <laughs> oh, sorry, 0 0.10 pin headers Adafruit goes through in a year? It's a really good question. I would I would guess that we go through about a million pins a year. Okay, so um, you can do the math. So do the math, do the math. but I do not know how many miles it is, but it's one, I, let's say a million. I don't actually know, but I'm just totally guessing. Okay. Uh, do you know of an iOS spanner that does pull up and pull down? I do not. It's actually quite rare. Um, usually they do pull ups. Um, the AW9523 doesn't do pull-ups at all, which I think is a little annoying. The MCP23017 does do pull-ups. Like I said, the PCF857Xs do a light pull-up. I do not know of any that do pull-downs. It's, it's very rare. It's, it's unusual. I don't think they would spend the, the, the money, to be honest, because if you're using a GPR expander, it's like you could probably customize your setup. Okay. Um... Speaking of crazy ideas like this cable, um, if you're going to build a tiny space heater type project, what would you use for it? Wow, that is a really bad idea. <laughs> well, I'm glad. I'm glad we're. we're it's a glad space heater for ants. Yeah. Okay. Um, I, I really, I really wouldn't because space heaters um, often have. Um, tiny space heater. Well, they have. You want something UL certified, so if it falls over, mm. it turns off. Uh, and it doesn't overheat. Um, but you, know, you can use our little mini hot plate and just put your hand over it. <laughs> okay. um, why isn't there uh, Adafruit candy 
shaping the characters. You know, we have done. There is, but it's called, it's called Rainbow Fentanyl. For yeah. Some reason. No. <laughs> no, not really. We we've had we've had some like Adabot lollipops and some other things. We'll probably do something at some point. Um, so it is it is an idea that we tossed around because we like to think we did those um, LED. Um, Gumdrops. Yeah, we've done. I mean, Becky did that as a project, an early yeah. project. Um, okay, uh, have we ever logged walking around Adafruit with Panometer? Yeah, I have. Um, back when I was shipping, uh, even when we were apartment Adafruit, we did, yes. it was a few miles. Yeah, I remember you. Would, you had your little your little um, watch or a Fitbit or something. Okay, the numbers are in. It might be one point five eight miles of headers. Okay, because <laughs> of the pins. Are. No, I mean like we go through a lot of headers, but you know this was one of the things that like we we did that was weird. It was like we included okay. headers with our. We're getting course. the same uh, result. What is it? Um, five sigma is that's when it's real. That's when the result is real. So yeah. we're getting close. Um, yeah. Okay. I think this might be everything. Hmm. It is. All right, that's our questions for tonight. Thank you, everybody. Our code is segments. 10% off the Adafruit store all the way up to 11.59 p.m. tonight. Special thanks to Zay, all the Adafruit community members here. Everyone in Discord, everyone in all the different chats, taking good care of one another, helping each other out. This is our favorite time of the week every week because we get to hang out with all of you. I know. Thank you so much. This has been an Adafruit production. Here is your moment of Zener. We'll see you next week. Bye, everybody.